Life is made up of experiences. Experiences shape our perspectives and allow us to pass along knowledge. In this podcast, I sit down with listeners like you and find out that no matter who you are, everyone has a story to tell. I'm Ethan Smith, and this is Life Experienced. Picking up the pieces after a war in your hometown is an experience one never forgets. Last week, Juro Biegovic shared his experiences following the Croatian War for Independence and how he held on to his dream of playing basketball throughout. As Juro finished his time playing basketball in junior colleges across the United States, he received a scholarship offer to play at Sacramento State University in California. Juro recalls that playing in a Division I program was much different than his previous experiences. I, I suppose compared to your experiences the, that far playing in the junior colleges and the prep school, what, what, how is it different once you got to, to the college? Well, it's way more demanding. I mean, a lot of people think these kids, you know, who get scholarships, oh, it's a free ride. Ethan, it's, it's not a free ride, dude. Uh, how much you practice, it's, it's like you're a professional. It's like you're playing an NBA. I mean, plus you have to go to school. I mean, school, like they say, school comes first. You can't, I mean, especially in these low, uh, in this, this was not a uh, great, you know, big school, you know, but uh-huh. they respected school a lot, you know. So we practiced like professionals, plus between the classes, you had to go to school every day. I mean, they pay you, you know, they give you a free ride, full scholarship, but you earn it, man. <laughs> you earn it hard, the hard way, you know, because I remember preseason. I'm not even kidding you. We had a, I call him a little bit a crazy coach. He was a good guy, but he had some basketball methods that I really didn't agree with. Uh, we would, I swear to God, in preseason, we practiced. He would wake us up at five in the morning, five and a half. He would go to practice at six. We would have practice for three hours. I'm not kidding you. Then I would go to classes for two hours, three hours, and then you have to go to weights. And then after weights, you have another afternoon practice. And between that, you probably have some classes as well. So we've been doing that in preseason for, for a while, for a while. I mean, I was, I was tired, man. It was, it's basically you get a full ride, but trust me, you, you have to earn it. You know, yeah, it's it not, sounds, it sounds very demanding. <laughs> it, it is because your whole day is basically programmed. You know, there's, there's no, uh, going on the sides and doing the crazy stuff, you know, not, not a lot. So when it came time to decide what you wanted to do after you graduated, what, what was your, what was that process like? And, and what did you end up doing? Well, there was no, there was no question for me. You know, I still had passion for the game. I was only 23 years old, you know, uh, the other the one option is keep playing basketball, which of course I wanted. And the other option is maybe to try to stay in us and find a job, which I wasn't prepared for. I, I felt like there's more game in, there's more passion for the game in me than just, you know, go find a job and sell up, you know? So I decided to play basketball after professionally in Europe. Did you, I guess, did you come back, back to Croatia first and then look around for clubs? Were you in communication with any of, the, any of them or how did that, how did that work? Yes. Uh, how it works, it's basically, I went back home, 
some agents that I know uh, about finding me a club. Actually, one American that actually also helped me in U.S. Uh, I was working with him for a while, but we couldn't find any good offers, so I had to change the agent. I played in the meanwhile. I played um, Division Two for my hometown, Division the place in Division Two at that time. I played to stay in shape and stuff like that. And then the first offer came from Austria, Gissing. But I had to do. Uh, <laughs> Now you're going to hear the story. <laughs> uh, I had to do two tryout games. First game, uh, you can find the stats. I can show you later. Uh, first game <laughs> I played 12 minutes. I had 14 points. First game I played Thursday. We played the next one Sunday. We win the game against the team they lost to by 20 points the week before. I mean, everybody's happy. Everything's great, you know. So I played first game Thursday, and then we played the cup game Sunday. Sunday, I again... Third quarter, I'm playing again. Great, 14 points, 15 points in 12 minutes or something like that. Third quarter comes, I go with the back technique to the basket and I land awkwardly and I twist my ankle like crazy and it gets all blown out. This happened day before I was supposed to sign the contract. So I twisted my ankle on Sunday and I was supposed to sign the contract Monday. <laughs> so guess what happens? That's business of basketball. I don't get the contract. I go home yeah. with a, I go home with a twisted ankle. Uh, yeah. It is about the size of a <laughs> size of an I won't say like about two uh, baseball balls on the side. It's Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's... Yeah. So it was it was a tough break for sure at the start of my career, you know. With another injury threatening Duro's career, he would have to consider all of his options. After receiving excellent medical care for his ankle injury and returning to his hometown in Croatia, he almost gave up. Almost. I went back to my hometown and I was honestly well, rethinking everything. Like, man, it's like I can't catch a break, you know. It's like maybe I should just, you know, quit, you know. And yeah. then for two months, I actually haven't played a lot of basketball for a while, you know. And I was thinking, okay, maybe, maybe it's over. And then... I knew exactly what happened. I walked into the gym. As soon as I start shooting, moving, I was like, ah, oh, crap. It's coming back, man. <laughs> it's yeah. coming back. I can't, I can't leave like that. I can't stop. <laughs> and it was, it was the best decision after that, you know? And I mean, basically I got back to training. I got back to training. I started loving again. And I actually decided to go lower leagues, you know, just to play somewhere for a year. It doesn't matter where doesn't matter uh, how much money. It doesn't matter anything. Just, okay, I just want to play one year, you know? And uh, I think that's what a lot of players also, even Americans, make a mistake. They, they're they always thinking about, you know, how much is the money? How much is this? How much is that? First thing you got to do is find a good place for you where you play. Just play, you know? Just be yourself. And then yeah. everything else will take care of yourself, you know? And that's what I did. I went to... After that, I went to Germany, lower league. I had a great season there, about, I don't know how much, I played about 27, 27 points a game, even though I came at a half season. Uh, but, you know, the team wasn't doing the greatest. You know, we tried to get them back to the playoffs and stuff, but I came too late. And uh, what also other, you know, players don't understand when they come from U.S., they think it's all about the stats. It's not all about the stats. It's all about if your team is winning, you know. You can score 40 points a game, but your team is dead last. You're not going to get a contract. You're going to have a hard time finding a contract as well, you know, yeah. because everybody wants uh, winners on their team. 
So uh, after that, um, I also went to Slovenia. Uh, again, not a great deal. So a lot, lot of ups and downs. So you, you get sure. the, you get the picture. You know, after Slovenia, uh, I changed, and I that's when I went to Italy. And now okay. I've been for uh, four years now in Italy, and it's been a great experience in Italy. So I'm very happy here. For four years now, I've been playing for uh, four different clubs, actually five, and it's great. I, I like Italy. Attending basketball games in the United States can be very exciting, especially when top teams play each other or when rivals take the court. And often this means the crowd's level of engagement may have an impact on the game's outcome. In Juro's European games, however, the atmosphere can be highly different from games in the United States. More on that right after this. Welcome back. What you're hearing right now is actual audio from one of Juro's highlight videos. This is what it sounds like in many of the games he plays in gyms across Europe. Here's what Juro had to say about the playing environment and how he adapts to it. First of all, <laughs> I noticed that in some of the games, most of the crowd had noisemakers, like yes. things that you would normally think about at a soccer game that you know you are not allowed in games here. So, what's it like playing with just a constant drone of like noisemakers and like vuvuzelas and things like that <laughs> in the stands? Okay, I, I I gotta go back a little bit in time, so I will <laughs> tell you I will tell you one interesting story, right? Yeah, when I was uh, 14, 14 years old. I played for a national team and uh in croatia and we actually went to european change ch championship and i uh, and i played great there i really played great but in the final this was after the war right in the final we are playing serbia in the middle of serbia in the middle of nowhere in this little town with the big gym and we're playing serbia in the final man so imagine this you are 14 year old kid there's about 4,000 people, but this is for you, for maybe for U.S. standards, this might not be, uh, you know, big right, that's, crowd. That's fairly small for, for as yes, far as college yes. games go, but still pretty but, big. Yeah. But imagine 4,000 people singing the entire game, screaming yeah. at you. Remember, this is after the war. You're a 14-year-old kid, right? Right. And they're screaming at you, throwing coins at you, the lighters. I mean, everything like on the court. You're a 14-year-old kid, man. Yeah. <laughs> now imagine that. I, I mean, in U.S., the crowds are big, but they are uh -huh. not crazy and loud as that. It's not even. It's not even. And they don't. Long. And they don't throw things. They generally. generally no, 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 no. Imagine <laughs> a kid and this guy is cursing you on the like for for the entire game, man. <laughs> yeah. There's one gym. I, sorry, I have to tell you this story. There was one gym when I was a kid, and I was 16. I was already paying for, for a professional team in Croatia, right? And uh, this coach, uh, so I'm playing with the grown guys, you know. This There was a gym in Croatia called Yazine Zadar. Okay. So the coach, last five minutes, he puts me in a game, right? And the, the, the gym is small, but it, like very small, but... In the there's maybe seats for maybe two and a half thousand people 
but they pack in maybe 3,000, 3,500. Right? <laughs> but the yeah. entire gym is singing. There's choreo- choreography. I mean, it's loud. Like it's like it feels like there's fifty thousand people. And I remember, coach, I was on the game, and the coach is literally maybe three feet from me, and he's trying to say something to me. Ethan, I couldn't hear a single word, right? <laughs> I mean, and then I came closer again. I couldn't hear a single word. I was just shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. But I didn't hear nothing, man. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Zero. I mean, and that's the same thing in Italy. They have uh, sirens, uh, <laughs> people screaming. It's, it's, yeah. it's fun. I mean, uh, for me in U.S., the crowd is more of, you know, kind of robotic not not against uh nothing against american people or something. Oh, sure. it's just yeah, the way you, you cheer in europe if you write olympiakos or Pan- panathinaikos in greece you're gonna see flares in the game you're gonna see uh, oh, people, my uh, people shouting uh, jumping the entire <laughs> game singing i mean you should really go i'll send you the links you, you can check it out later it gets it gets crazy especially yeah. during the the rival games it's it, it gets crazy uh-huh. so it's very it's very fun atmosphere to play in for me like sorry i i went way off with your you asked me how i deal with it uh, i'm used to it but when i'm when i'm in the game i i i'm so focused on the game that i i honestly i i don't i don't feel so much of the atmosphere you know i am so focused on the game that it's um you can't i don't know how to explain that um yeah yeah uh you, you just so focused on what you're doing on the court that you don't see so much of the of the of the crowd even though some some players like to fight the crowd and you know, all the other stuff I, i'm not that type of guy so yeah <laughs> juro joined me remotely from italy for this interview where he's in the middle of his current season Over the past few years, he has returned home to Croatia during the off-season, where he is still working on repairs to his parents' home over 20 years after the war. I've kept up with these projects on his blog, where he provides detailed accounts and photos of the recent renovations. I asked Duro about his future and whether it involves more basketball. So you've been doing this, you've been playing basketball for for 20 years, so what, what do you think your future looks like? Ah, honestly, Ethan, what I learned in the past two, three years is like, I don't want to plan anything. Honestly, the more I planned in my life, I want to do this. I want to, I don't know, buy a car. I don't want to do this. Day, uh, life is lived day by day. I mean, you can have a general plan where you want to go with your life, but to plan everything to detail, is just, yeah. it's, it's stupid. I'm not even kidding. It's stupid because um, because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, okay, I say now I am 31 years old now. And I say, okay, I want to play for 10 years. Tomorrow I go, I, I break my knee, the career is over, you know. So yeah, yeah. what I'm trying to do now with my life is I'm just going to – I'm just letting it, letting it go as it goes, you know, and just trying to enjoy every day that I have, you know, with basketball because it's been a big part of my life, a big journey. It has taught me – so many lessons of life you know people think it's just about playing basketball now basketball teaches you who you are who you are as a person uh, it teaches you about teamwork dedication sacrifice i mean it teaches you so many things that people 
don't see you know they think it's just a uh, put the ball through the hoop now it doesn't work like that there's many there's many things you learn that are not inside the four lines you know yeah so what i to answer your question is i don't know honestly okay I That's don't know enough. yet. Yeah. I mean, I have general plans. You know, I like to write my blog. I like to do many things. I'm actually uh, into meditation now a lot, uh, healing techniques, alternative uh, medicine. That's what I'm kind of studying as well now. So what's, what is going to turn out and where I'm going to go after that, we will see. Juro has overcome many obstacles in his life to achieve his dream of playing basketball, and I'm sure that whatever he decides to do in the future will also be productive. I hope you'll be inspired by his story to take another shot at your dreams. Life Experienced is hosted and produced by Ethan D. Smith and is primarily distributed via Anchor.fm. The show is also available via DSound, a decentralized audio sharing platform built on the Steam blockchain. For more information, visit dsound.audio. The music in this podcast is composed by Lee Rosevere and is used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. For more information, visit freemusicarchive.org. If you like the show, be sure to share it with others. Links to learn more about this episode, as well as more information on the podcast itself, may be found by visiting lifeexperienced.org. And for those of you still listening, Juro had one more story about a gym he played in that I couldn't resist sharing. Okay, I'll tell you one. I forgot about to tell you, I also played in Morocco. I forgot. But that was one of the craziest the craziest fans I ever seen in my life <laughs> because, because these are big gyms, you know, they, they don't uh-huh. have great quality gyms, you know, but you know, who comes to the games, like at the place where I was playing, it was a friendly game. Uh, soccer fans come. I don't know if you ever oh. watch soccer games in Europe with the flares when, uh, you know, 50,000 <laughs> people are singing at the same time. Yeah. So imagine that yeah. in a basketball gym with a roof. <laughs> so i come to the friendly game man friendly friendly game <laughs> right right there's about 10 i don't know how many five six thousand people yeah but they got flares they got um <laughs> what's the name like fireworks crackers and stuff they, yeah going all over the court. <laughs> dude dude i was like where am i man what what's going on yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. they because they put the flares in the closed gym, man. There was so much smoke inside the gym. Like, like you're playing, like there's a there's a cloudy day, man. Yeah. It was it was an unbelievable experience. When I experienced that, I, I seen everything. You know, it was yeah. it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. That, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. I can't imagine. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And once again, I'm Ethan Smith, reminding you to get out there and experience life.